Well, Fox 10, you decide alert tonight. The last of defeated Republican candidate Carrie Lake's election challenges has failed in court. A Maricopa County Judge Peter Thompson handing down the ruling this evening, reaffirming the election of Katie Hobbs as governor of Arizona. This lawsuit centered around signature verification of early ballots. The judge in the end ruled that Lake's legal team did not prove that there were errors in the process, nor that those errors impacted the outcome of the race. Lake lost to Hobbs by 17,000 votes. Clint Hickman, chairman for the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, issued a statement after the ruling, reading in part, quote, wild claims of rigged elections may generate media attention and fundraising pleas, but they do not win court cases. When bombshells and smoking guns are not backed up by facts, they fail in court. This is justice. And this is what happened today in Kerry Lake's election contest. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, I am uh, here to tell you that today we're going to make some wild claims about the election. So if you don't want to hear wild claims that will never stand up in court from an attorney who's been doing election law for 40 years, then you don't want to listen because it's just wild claims. Uh, we all know better than that. We know the media is colluding to make us believe there was nothing wrong with the election of 2020, with the election of 2022. Uh, we can't say that every claim is correct, but you know what? A lot of those claims are correct, and a lot of those things we saw with our very own eyes. We have an election coming up. Are we ready for it? That's going to be the discussion today. All right, if you'd like to call us, you can do that at 662 662- 821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can also write us at sandy at afr.net. Sandy at afr.net. You can listen on any podcast platform, or you can go to sandyrios.com. It's really simple to just click listen now, and there you go. All right, so in Facebook, we are resurrecting Sandy Rios 24-7 on Facebook, so that's a great place to go for further information. And before we start uh, the show, as they say, we have some really good news. Uh, because of you, and I mean because of you, Preborn has rescued over 28,000 babies this year alone. And I know that my audience has played a big part in that. I am so proud of that. I really am. I'm proud of you. We're actually helping to save lives by providing ultrasounds to moms in crisis. We hear that word all the time. What does that mean? Well, she slept with someone she shouldn't have, uh, and she found out she's pregnant, and she doesn't know what to do because she can't stop a baby unless you kill it in the womb. And a lot of moms don't really understand that it's a real baby, and they are persuaded by the left that it really isn't. And so when they see the moms, when they see the video, really, of their baby sucking its thumb or moving in the womb, I mean, it is transformational. And at least half of them decide to keep their babies. And that's what we're doing. If you would like to help, all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. Just $28 will provide one ultrasound. So just to give as generously as you can, and they will use your money well, I promise. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, it's time to take out your pen, put on your glasses, and listen to this discussion of what we can do to make sure we have a free and fair election. 
on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. 2% of Georgia's 8 million voters marked as inactive in the state system are now at risk of losing their ability to cast a ballot. They haven't voted for two election cycles, and they just don't live here anymore. At a speaking event in Tucker on Wednesday, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger said his office uses national change of address information to suss out who may have moved, died, or stayed home from the polls since the last purge. He added Georgia has the cleanest voter rolls in the country, despite being at the center of numerous election conspiracies. And some people, you know, just don't, how is that possible? Because a lot of what you've been told for the last two and a half years has been misinformation. County election offices are sending out letters right now to voters on the list. If you're on it, you'll have 30 days to respond to avoid cancellation. Well, it's critically important that we maintain clean voter rolls. Natalie Crawford is the founder of the nonpartisan group Georgia First. She says, check your status, and if you need to re-register, it's a simple process in Georgia. She had to do it when she moved counties a few years ago. It took me five minutes, you know, to change my registration. I have a new voter in my household. My son just turned 18. Five minutes for him to register to vote. 51% of inactive voters are people of color, and some voting rights groups say it doesn't matter how long a person has gone without voting, they should never lose that right. But Crawford says it's a necessary step in keeping elections safe and simple. You know, it's important, of course, that what leads to a cancellation is clear, it's transparent to the public, that ample notice is given. All right, that's a report uh, from Atlanta News. You know, we're having a presidential election in 2024. Does anybody, you know, did you forget that? I don't think so. And right on the heels of discussing candidates and what's going to happen, always in my mind comes the whole issue of will the election be fair and free? Will it be fair and free? I find myself a skeptic. I find myself a skeptic. And yet we hear that from Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State in Atlanta, in Georgia, that uh, the, the Georgia has the cleanest voter rolls in the country. Not, nothing to see here. Everything's fine in Georgia. I don't know what's happening, what, what's being claimed in other states. We see problems in Michigan still. We see certainly problems in Arizona. Um, but is anything really being done that's significant enough to make sure that we have a free and fair election in 2024? I've asked Cleta Mitchell to join us today. She is the senior legal fellow at the Conservative Partnership Institute in D.C. She's the founder also of the Election Integrity Network. Uh, and Cleta, uh, no one, I don't think, in the country knows more about what's happened in our elections and all the laws, because she is an attorney, uh, except, uh, other than Cleta Mitchell. And so grateful to have her comments this morning. Thanks for joining us, Cleta. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy always to hear your voice and to be able to talk with you. Well, whenever I thanks, Cleta. You know, when I when I think back, of course, uh, we don't. Twenty twenty now seems like generations ago, but no, it really. I think the earth shook when the twenty twenty presidential results came in, 
uh, and it's still shaking. Um, and we learned a lot, I think you would agree, about what's happening and not happening in our voter system. I realize this is a big question that would require a whole hour to respond, but in general, what fault, what like the fault lines did we see in our election process in 2020 afterwards? Well, I think um, it's important. I mean, that is a really good question, Sandy. And I think it's really important that we uh, step back and take a look at the, the big picture. And, you know, I've been involved as an election attorney, political law attorney, for decades. That's been my law practice. The, the way I got involved in 2020 was that following the election, the day after the 2020 election, I'd actually was in, I was in Montana <laughs> Uh, but uh, working on their election day operations because I'd represented the Montana Republican Party and uh, Senator Daines and the candidate for governor who was uh, congressman and now governor, uh, Greg Gianforte. And so I was out there for the uh, days leading up to the election. I was literally in my car headed back to uh, my home, uh, to the airport to go fly home. And I got a call uh, from the White House asking if I would uh, divert and go to Atlanta, which I did. And I, you know, then was involved in the post-election in Atlanta, uh, in Georgia. But um, as a result of that, I ended up leaving my law firm. That's a whole different story, uh, where I was a partner for 20 years, a big national law firm. And uh, because the left came after me, frankly, because I was involved with, in representing President Trump. And so since February of 2021, I have been a at the Conservative Partnership Institute, as you described. And that has given me the opportunity to focus full-time on something that I really hadn't been able to focus full-time on because I had clients and, you know, they had projects and needs and all. But I've just focused on the state of American elections since 2021. And one of the things that I found in my uh, archives was a PowerPoint that I had presented 10 years ago to the uh, Conservative Action Project Summit, December of 2013, I presented a PowerPoint in which I was describing what the left had been saying that year, that year, 2013. Remember, Obama's just been reelected. And the left uh, came together in a big meeting that was reported in Mother Jones, which is a very left-wing uh, publication, about how they had come together, the leaders of environmental, labor, feminist groups, gay groups, all of the, the left, the unions, and they pledged to change the political system in America. That's what they pledged to do, and that they were going to raise millions of dollars to do it. Well, they have changed our political system, and they've changed it through the voting process. There was another part of that PowerPoint that talked about uh, a group of legislators, Democrat legislators from around the country who convened in Washington that summer of 2013, 10 years ago, and they said, here are the things we're going to do to change the voting system. And you look at that list, it they have changed, they have accomplished everything on their list. And they have not raised and spent millions, they have raised and spent, according to the Capital Research Center, their estimate is that the left has raised and spent between 11 and 14 billion dollars creating 
hundreds of entities that are focused on aspects of the voting and election process. They've changed uh, from election day, uh, which we used to have in America, and now we have election week, election month. In Virginia, they have 45 days of voting in Virginia. They have sa- they've gone to same-day registration. Uh, state after state after state allows people to walk in on Election Day, register and vote without any uh, confirmation that they're even eligible. Uh, part of what they pledged to do was to cr- was to put more pressure to have voting by mail. Now, why do they want voting by mail? Because all of the protections of voting in person where you can't have politicking within so many feet of the polls where if somebody needs help they can get help and you have both parties represented at the election uh, polling places um, and all that goes out the window all those protections go out the window with what i call unsupervised voting they've in, they've infiltrated the post office they've infiltrated every when i say they i'm talking about these leftist entities um, and they have infiltrated virtually every election office in America, certainly all the biggest ones, but not just the big ones. They're doing, they're targeting local election offices all over the country. They've gotten rid of polling places and gone to gigantic vote centers where you have, like in Maricopa County in 2022, utter chaos, uh, particularly in the areas uh, on election day because Republicans tend to vote on election day. Well, it is. I can go through chapter and verse, but let me just assure you, none of this is by accident. All of it is by design. It's been funded by left-wing billionaires from a guy named Piero Midiar, who's an eBay billionaire. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, we know he put in nearly half a billion dollars in 2020 to manipulate local election offices to drive up the Democrat turnout through the election offices in key Democratic cities and uh, in, in battleground states. And that is actually how, uh, pre- how Biden uh, won. That's, in my view, that's the number one reason. But so, okay, so we've learned all of this. We've had people involved in the process uh, since 2021 through the Election Integrity Network, where we have organized uh, state election integrity coalitions, uh, across the country with local election integrity task forces and national working groups on everything from cleaning voter rolls to citizens research to understand what the left is doing in your local election office, uh, how to protect vulnerable voters in nursing homes who are very susceptible yeah. to um, the political operatives on the left. And so now what do we need to do for 2024? I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Cleta, I'm going to interrupt you because yes. I because you've said so many things that I want to stop just for a second. Okay, and take a breath. Okay, let's stop. Uh, yeah, because okay. I, I want to make cl- so, one thing clear. Uh, one of the reasons I admire you so much is it was, and you said this, but I want to say it again. The you were uh, a fixture in D.C. You were you had tremendous uh, integrity. Uh, you were such a leader in the conservative world, uh, the leading conservative attorney. Um, it was you were a, a powerhouse in all the right ways, and you, because you decided to help with this voter mess after 2020, you ended up needing to give up, give up, let go of your partnership, which is a very big deal in a law firm after all of those years of being the partner 
uh, and uh, because you're of your icky relationship with President Trump. And I just want to make sure that people understand that's that's what happened to you. Your whole life really changed. And as you said, now you're devote. You have such uh, knowledge, and you're devoted. You're devoting your life now to try to s- sort out this mess. I remember before 2020, Cleta. I remember you and others that you and I both know shouting to the housetops, to the RNC, and to the Trump campaign that if they did not uh, like rally uh, a bunch of uh, election attorneys or pe- somehow counter what you saw coming, it was going to be a disaster. Uh, but it fell on deaf ears, didn't it? It did. I mean, I started uh, I started in May of 2019. I, I organized a meeting with the top two attorneys for the Trump campaign. And uh, I took Christian Adams and Hans von Spakovsky, and we went over and met with them. This is May of 2019, before COVID, well before anybody ever heard of COVID. And we showed them how Mark Elias and these left-wing groups were challenging election uh, statutes all over the country, all over the country. They And they didn't just target one state or two states. They sued every state. I think they sued Mississippi twice. They sued uh, Louisiana. They sued Idaho. I mean, <laughs> they were going after every aspect of election integrity and the safeguards that have been put in place over the years by the state legislature to ensure that elections were conducted in an orderly process and that people uh, were who they say they were and were eligible to vote before they voted, et cetera, et cetera. And so we said to them, this is happening now. Well, and it's all targeted for 2024, and we have to get busy. We have to fight back. Well, they they just they they didn't do anything for a year. And of course, Mark Elias and all of them, all these plaintiffs, all these groups, they they switched as soon as COVID came along. They switched to using COVID as a pretext for what they already had planned. And then in the summer of 2020, I started talking to the White House and saying, "Are you preparing for the post election?" Well, they didn't even know what I was talking about. And I said, you remember what happened in Florida in 2000? Well, it's going to happen again this fall, 20 years later, but it's not going to be just in one state. It's going to be six to eight states. And what are you doing to prepare? And I was trying to help them, including they had me talk to the president and I explained it to the president. And he said, you're willing to take charge and try to do this, address this. This is in early September of 2020. I said, yes, I am. But, you know, understand we're late. We're very late. Um, And he said, okay, well, let's do it. If you're willing to do it, tell, tell my chief of staff, tell everybody that I put you in charge of this. I said, great. And that was the last I heard of it until the day after the election. I never heard another word from the campaign or the White House or anyone. It just they just didn't believe it. They didn't prepare for it. And it was fairly chaotic after the election. But yeah. I mean, I, I've been it's around this for many, many years. And so I knew what the left was doing. I, I didn't know the extent to which they were doing it. But and we know so much more now. But but look, I mean, we have a country to save. And I I, yes, I had to resign my law firm because the left came after me, and they went to all of our clients, and they uh, that Lincoln Project posted um, 
on Twitter the names of uh, corporate clients of of my former law firm and had people call said to people to call and demand like Toshiba call Toshiba and tell Toshiba that they're going to fire this law firm unless uh, they fire Cleta Mitchell. And so we had to shut down the switchboards all over the country uh, and all of our offices. And I mean, it was pretty brutal, but as I, you know, as we all say, when God closes the door, he opens a window. And so (laughs) I've had the window into uh, the vast left wing. I mean, really vast uh, interconnected entities and what they've been doing for more than a decade to change our political and election systems. Cleta, I want to take you back now to Georgia because uh, that's the first place you landed. Is that your home state? No, no, I didn't have anything. The only reason I was sent to Georgia is that Mark Meadows, who was then the White House chief of staff, um, the president was leading when um, he caught when uh, he was leading after the election, and he was leading until um, the Tuesday following the election. So for a week. The president uh, was actually leading in the returns, and and it shifted a week after. And but Mark Meadows is he was watching all of it, and he wanted me to go down there and see what was going on and what had gone on, what had transpired. And when I got there, I realized that the election was completely unlawful, led by Brad Raffensperger, who is. You know, he may be a registered Republican, but there he, there's really not a conservative bone in his body, and he's not very smart. And he just um, he just loved loved to be able to have the adoration of the media, and so they started you know heaping praise on him because he was quote standing up to President Trump. But what he also what of course the media, the legacy media, state owned media practically, what they never would ever, ever report was how he had broken the law, and it was totally lawless in the way he had conducted the election. We filed an election contest, 64-page complaint with over 1,100 pages of witness affidavits signed under penalty of perjury, expert witness reports signed under penalty of perjury that documented that there were more illegal votes included in the certified total than the final margin between President Trump and Joe Biden. But we never had a judge appointed to hear the case, which was I'd never I'd never, ever seen or thought of that, that that could ever happen, that you could file a lawsuit that's supposed to be expedited and then you never get your day in court. And that's what happened in Georgia. You know, uh, so uh, to, to just explain to people listening, if they don't know already, Brad Raffensperger is a Republican and so many Republicans defended him, Cleta. People that we know defended him. They thought he was a great guy. They had that impression, and he was very convincing. And uh, I didn't think he was convincing, but to other people, he must have been convincing. Uh, we just heard him in that clip at the top of our conversation here. And he said, uh, Georgia has the cleanest voter rolls in the country. Is that, is that true? No. No, it's not true. And we have a lot of volunteers in the state of Georgia um, who have gone into county after county where you have people, one small county, some uh, a volunteer called me one day and said that in, one, in his county he'd gone through the voter rolls and the voting records and found that there were 2,500, more than 2,500 people who had duplicate 
ID numbers, duplicate voter ID numbers, and had cast ballots under both of those numbers in the 2020 election. Now, remember, the, the margin was 11,779 votes. That was the third, by the way, the third total. They kept, Every time they recount, they get another number, which ought to tell you something. But, um, no, Brad Raffensperger... Uh, He's not very smart, as I said, but he and he's lawless. He had uh, entered into an agreement to basically disregard the statute uh, that the legislature had enacted regarding signature matching on absentee ballots and brought in. uh, This was a suit filed by Stacey Abrams, and he basically he just agreed to uh, to buckle uh, and agreed with her her complaint. And they got rid of some of the statutory and disregarded some statutory requirements on voting by mail and signature matching. So despite the fact that the number of absentee ballots went up by uh, hundreds of percentage points, the uh, number rejected for uh, invalid uh, identification went down to virtually none. And they brought in he brought in ACLU lawyers to train election workers on how to match or my uh, way of thinking how not to match signatures so and that's just one area we found with 30 categories of illegal votes that were cast and counted uh but ca- but the people either weren't eligible the registrations weren't good they'd moved and hadn't changed their registration they had i mean it was just 18,325 people voted whose addresses were shown in the post office records as being uh, vacant properties, vacant house, vacant lot, vacant building, um, 18,325 when the margin was less than uh, 12,000. So Brad Raffensperger was elected again, right, because he got a sympathy. People, he was presented in the media as a sympathetic figure. And so, No, you know why he got reelected? Because they have an open primary. They have an Uh, open primary. So it's not just, if he had been running for re-election in a Republican primary that was closed to Republicans only, he would not have been re-elected. He would not have been renominated. But, but there were there is uh, evidence. But I'm sure that you know the and of course the media also did uh, promote him. But um, I don't think he would have been re-elected if he had had to run in a closed primary. You know what? We can't leave Georgia without me asking you because people still hear this and they still play this. Of course, this is part. There's getting. Uh, they're going to bring a lawsuit. I don't think it's been. I don't know the s- status of the case against President Trump in Georgia. I'm sure you do, but they, this is going to be big news, and they're going to be replaying that call between the president and Brad Raffensperger. Can you explain, please, what that was all about, and if there was malfeasance by the president in that con- conversation? Well, I was on that call. That was the thing that um, that the Lincoln Project used as the pretext for coming after me. Um, this was on January the 2nd, uh, Saturday, and we had not had a judge appointed uh, after a month. It was literally a month, and we still didn't have a judge appointed. And the president wanted to um, – I mean, he – had, uh, you know, I have to be careful what I say because of uh, attorney-client privilege, but suffice to say, the, uh, the call was literally for the purpose. We had been trying for several weeks to get the Secretary of State's office to sit down with us to go over the data 
and the records that we had put into our lawsuit because the Secretary of State just kept telling everybody that our data was wrong, our data was wrong, and that their data showed something different. And so we kept saying, well, let's sit down and compare data. And if we're wrong, we'll tell everybody that. But if you're wrong, you need to do something. And he would not, he would never consider doing that. And the purpose, uh, what we thought we were going to get from that call, we thought we had agreed from that call, was to be able to um, have that meeting. To, we'll bring our data, you bring yours. That's the way the call ended. And, you know, the media has made much of, the bad media, the left-wing media, has made much of uh, the fact the president said we just have to find 12,000 votes. Well, we'd found them. They were in our, they were in our lawsuit. They, the data was there. We had the names. We had the registration addresses. It was all in the court filings. It was the only thing that, you know, the president, as we all know, he says things sometimes that I know what he's saying, but it's like Selena Zito said about him in 2016 when he was running, that for Trump supporters, they take him seriously, but not literally. For Trump yes. haters, yes. they take him literally, but not seriously. And so right. he was just basically saying, sit down and show you know this data that you say you have. Let's, let's compare data. But but they but what you're referring to is that the, there was a new DA elected in Fulton County, which is Atlanta, in November 2016, 2020. And since the day she took office, she's been saying she's going to go after uh, President Trump and uh, and all of us on the phone call. And now then in the last day or so, they've announced she's announced that her work is done. And now they're preparing to announce she's preparing to announce who she's indicting. So I, I presume it's going to be President Trump. I hope I'm not one of the people indicted. I didn't do anything except act as an election attorney. But, you know, yeah, everything no, we know. is upside down now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. We uh, Thank you for going into that on, in Georgia because I think that's fascinating. And it will be, you know, headlines pretty soon here if an indictment comes down yeah. of the president. But uh, there are so many other issues. But how about we can we? Let me just ask you some questions with short, you know, the short form answers. I, I think the strategy by some, and I wonder if you agree, is to embrace the early voting and ballot harvesting, which means people go out and help people vote and bring those votes in, elderly, nursing home, and all of that. Uh, do you embrace that also? Do you think that's a good counter to what the left has been doing? Well, look, Sandy, I've been a, a campaign attorney for many, many years. And, I mean, the thing that I have to tell you is I think that's the latest shiny object. And I think people are going to be sorely disappointed if that's all they do. Um, I have always said to the campaign consultants, would you like me to write a memo for you to tell you how the voting is conducted in this state? And they always just kind of pat me on the head. Oh, no, no, we got that. We got that. Well, look, I mean. <laughs> What I, was, I have always believed is if you are running a campaign and you are not taking advantage of every uh, option that's available for purposes of voting in a given state or district, well, that's malpractice. That's political malpractice. So I don't think that it is a panacea. I mean, the fact of the matter is 
ballot harvesting. But if there's early voting, look, I'm just going to tell you, I wouldn't vote by mail. I would I would never vote my by mail. It's like my friend Hans von Spakowski says, if you won the lottery, are you going to mail in your winning ticket? And <laughs> I mean, there are so many ways that pe- pe- people really knew what happened to their ballots um, and how many hands touched their ballots uh, when they send them by mail. I would never vote by mail, but I vote in person the first day. I go claim my vote because so many people in 2020, state after state, showed up to vote and were told, oh, Mrs. Smith, our records show you've already voted. So starting in 2021, I've just believed we have to, I'm going to go vote in person the first day I can so nobody can steal my vote. Yeah. And then, um, but ballot harvesting, uh, that's about the 10th step in a 12-step process. What the left has built is a juggernaut of data. So they're not just going up and down the street. I mean, they know exactly who uh, who lives where. Who, who th- Their goal is to go after pockets of people who are not likely to vote. Low propensity, low, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, the low information voters. And they're mm-hmm. doing the same thing with college students by getting polling places on college campuses where they know that if they can just roll them out of bed, have the polling place in the dorm, register them the same day, vote them, they go, you know, that 95%, 90-95% will vote for whatever Democrat. It doesn't matter. The message, the candidate, doesn't matter. So what we have to do is I think that what we have to do is, and I, is target, in my view, there are about 16 counties in the country that will determine the outcome of the presidential election. And we have to, based on what we've learned in the last two years, last, you know, since 2021, we have to make sure that those jurisdictions conduct their elections according to law. Where they are lawless, that's when we lose and we don't have a chance to win. But, you know, my goal is for, uh, is for us to be able to take what we've learned since 2021 and focus on the key things that will make each jurisdiction have to conduct its election according to the law and to try to address illegalities and unlawful conduct now, well before the election. And that's well, and, what I'm working on. Yes, and I and I have to say, uh, Judicial Watch is going through various states. They've actually found eight, 800,000 inactive registrants in Illinois, which is amazing. And Texas is really uh, getting busy on this, too. They've just withdrawn from that ERIC partnership, which would be right. a corrupt... It claims to be cleaning voter rolls, but it's corrupt. And I think some 27, several states have withdrawn from that. So that's good news. There are a lot of things happening. But, um, Cleta, if people want, you know, I've got a lot of people listening who really want to do something. They want to do something. How can they plug in to do something in their state? How could they do that? Well, if you go to uh, whoscounting.us, that's that's the website that we set up for Election Integrity Network. It's who's counting, W-H-O-S, who's counting, dot U-S. As one of my, one of us, one of our friends says, oh, you're saying who's counting us. Uh, who's counting, dot U-S. Sign up, and there are, uh, there's a sign-up page. And if there is no state coalition that exists today, um, then add your name, and there, you know, we have coalitions in 22 states, and we need to add more. Um, 
we need to have more states. And people, look, I mean, one of the things parents have figured out is they have to go to the school board meetings. They have to be paying attention. They need to be in the libraries. They need to know what their kids are being taught. They need to know about everything that's going on in the schools. And I'm telling you, the same thing is true with elections. All voting takes place at the local level. All elections are really local. And we can make a difference by being engaged and involved, attending meetings, uh, participating, knowing how the elections are working, supposed to be working in our state. So, Well, and, and in the past, when you and I've talked, you've, you've encouraged, and I'll repeat this because I'm sure it's still true, that people need to sign up to be officials in the elections, paid officials, yeah, uh, not yes. not just not just volunteers, but paid so they have something to say about what's happening in their polling place. Yes. So look, I'm yeah. I'm of the view that we fight until until there's no nothing else we can do. And right now there are still things we can do. We don't know what God's going to do. He's like really and truly. Um, I don't want to minimize our great God, but He is the secret sauce. For those of us that are Christians, there's nothing he can't do, and he does use us as he's used Cleta, uh, and uh, he can use all of us to make a difference, and we have no idea what the outcome's going to be, but I just know that the, the other side, all they have is their own efforts and money, so that, that doesn't compare to the Almighty God, so don't give up. It's whoscounting.us, whoscounting.us, that's how you can sign up and get involved where you are, and um, Cleta, just thank you. Thank you. Are you encouraged you, or are you, are you, are you, are you nerve? Are you biting your nails at night? Or are you, are you hopeful? Well, I guess my daughter, when she was in high school, she said, mom, I've decided you're not an optimist. You're not a pessimist. You're a realist. And so my view is that God doesn't really want us to ever get discouraged. You know, he, he's, he, as you say, he is faithful and he will support us and he will give us, he will give us strength. He will give us ideas. He will give us direction. And he's doing that. I feel it every day. And so I'm not discouraged. I, I, I have a sense of a lot of work to do. And my view is, uh, come on, we need your help. Uh, but let's all get in there. And as I say, we have a country to save. And the thing that inspires me, I'll just close with this, Andy. The thing that inspires me is all these people all over the country who are volunteering and doing things, helping to clean voter rolls in their states and their counties and uh, working on how to protect people in nursing homes, understanding and doing the work that is necessary to get these uh, election officials to decide to withdraw from ERIC, which is uh, a left-wing entity and that has just obtained and abused uh, uh, private data. That's a whole – we could do an hour on that. So, But look, these people give me strength and encouragement uh, just because I watch – what they're doing. And it's pretty amazing. And they do it because I love this country. And so if you love this country, we have to save our elections. All right. So go to whoscounting.us, whoscounting.us and sign up. And by the way, you could read uh, Cleta writes for the Federalist. And she has a whole series of articles on the Federalist about the election, what happened in 2020 and other things that you can read and share. So I want to recommend that to all of you. Cleta Mitchell, Senior Legal Fellow for the Conservative Partnership Institute and founder of the Election Integrity Network. God bless you, Cleta, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sandy. Appreciate you. This is National Truth for Youth Bible Week on American Family Radio. Uh, what we're doing is we are giving free Bibles to kids ages 13 through 18. Now, this is a little different, so listen. We are giving away free Bibles to teen who promises that they will, in turn, give that Bible that was given to them 
to one of their friends at school. So that's the way it works. And so if you're listening and if you just go to truthforyouth.com, you can then order your free Bible. If you want more than one, there is a, a small charge, but the first one's free. And then you'd give it to your child or grandchild and talk to them about it. And the deal is that they promise that they will give that Bible away to one of their buddies at school. Isn't that a great idea? The goal is to help us get 60,000 Bibles into the hands of teens. So it's just as simple as that. Truth for Youth Bible Week. Uh, You go to truthforyouth.com. That's truthforyouth.com. And you know what? You have no idea what God has in store when you take that step. That's truthforyouth.com. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Wow. I, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I enjoy I learn from Cleta every time I talk to her. And so I was just glad to share her with you and uh, have her impart her knowledge so that we can all work together to clean up our elections. It's uh, The left is way far ahead of us, but we, <laughs> we what was that verse? It comes to my mind, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in well-doing. So we're not going to do that. I want you to know that today we have a brand new sponsor, and I'm excited about this sponsor. They are actually the oldest private health care for Christians in the country. I know you hear about lots of them. You hear lots of names floating around, but this one is the oldest. Tremendous integrity. It's called Christian Healthcare Ministries. Christian Healthcare Ministries. Uh, they are a brand new sponsor, and I want to give them my full support. And I'm just going to be telling you about them and hoping that you might consider if they could help you uh, with whatever your healthcare complications are or your finances are. I think Christian Healthcare Ministries might be a tremendous help to you. All you have to do is go to chministries.org/sandy. Christian Healthcare, chministries.org slash Sandy. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of the rising cost of healthcare. Uh, the good news is that Christian Healthcare Ministries might be the answer that you're looking for. They are an affordable, faith based option to traditional healthcare that provides members the freedom to choose their doctors without worrying about networks or rating periods since they're not in the insurance system. You know, can you say freedom? I mean, honestly, you know how frustrating it is that you've got a doctor that you want to go to. You don't want to switch insurances sometimes just because you don't want to change doctors or hospitals or whatever. And with Christian Healthcare Ministries, you don't have to do that. You can choose your doctor. I just think that's phenomenal. So I want to make sure you got that part. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, and it's been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray. Uh, for one another's burdens uh, with medical bills. They are tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world, having assisted with billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from affordability, flexibility, and the reliability of Christian health ministries, but they also receive access 24-7 to telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate the work of Christian Health Ministries, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org. That's chministries.org. Tell a friend about them. Tell your kids about them. You know, maybe your young, uh, your young couples that are your children or grandchildren need some help. They don't have a lot of money right now, and they need something that's affordable that will really give them good uh, medical provision. 
Please mention you heard it, by the way, on Sandy Rios 24-7. So again, if you'd like to make a, if you'd like to join, go to chministries.org slash Sandy. All right, Sandy Rios back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. You know that you can email us at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net. Uh, you can call us at 662-821-2040. If you have a question or a challenge or something that, some comment that you want to make, that's how you do it. Or you email us at sandy at afr.net. And if you are um, a podcast, a veteran podcaster, you can find Sandy Rios 24-7 on any podcast platform. If you're not, if you have friends that you think would like to listen, then they're not. You can tell them to go to sandyrios.com. That's Sandy. Rios.com, and uh, you'll be able to listen with great ease. Also, you can join our family to talk to each other at Sandy Rios 24-7 Facebook page. at Sandy Rios 24-7. All right, sweetheart, I've asked you to join me because uh, we remember the night of the election, how upset we were as we were sitting in our family room with friends. Oh, oh I sure do. I mean, when everyone went home that evening, Trump was way ahead, and you get up the next day, and things have completely changed. Yeah, when they decided they shut down the elections, in all of our lives, we've never seen them do that. Accounting, shut down the counting. They've never done that. We've always set up until we found out what the result was, unless there was a snag. But they never stopped the counting, and that's that was the first time that ever happened. You know, Hillary Clinton used to scream, the vast right-wing conspiracy. And I think most of us would just throw up our shoulders and go, I have no idea what she's talking about, but I think in this case, there has been a vast left-wing conspiracy. We have it in their own words where those groups join together that Cleta mentioned, the unions, the environmentalists, the gays, uh, and others, to change the election procedure in the United States, and I think we've seen that happen. You know, that word conspiracy has been co-opted in many ways. Uh, A lot of people think, well, if you say conspiracy, that means it's false. That is not what a conspiracy means. A conspiracy can happen in in many ways. And and in this case, I think it has come true. Yeah. Yes, I think so too, Bruce. And uh, we have to always remember, I think this is becoming like commonly known, but in case it isn't, the left always includes accuses the right of doing exactly what they're doing. What the left is doing. What the left is doing, yes. So they're guilty of doing something, so they accuse you. That's the tactic. It works almost every time, but that's going to stop, right? You know, I think that um, what we have to keep in mind is what Cletus said, that really 16 counties in the entire United States pretty much determine who will win national elections. So while this sounds overwhelming, the work that needs to be done, really it's not. If we focus our efforts and we really uh, look at these 16 counties and make sure that the election laws are followed, we may very well have a much better election outcome, not just who wins, but how it's conducted. That's what's important is how are these elections conducted? Are they legal and are they fair? Yep. And uh, so that's great, honey. Thanks for those comments. And But before we go, I want to thank my sponsors. First of all, Preborn. Preborn network clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. And every day, they save 200 babies' lives. That's because of you, by the way. They can't do it without our help. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy, and sponsor an ultrasound. A couple of ultrasounds, $28 a piece. 
Uh, and you, you know, God sees what we do, and he smiles upon us uh, when, when we do something like this. I also want to thank my new sponsor, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org. That's chministries.org. All right, I hope you enjoyed, and I mean enjoyed, learned from, are motivated by this version, by this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.